How do you leverage emotional intelligence to create the life, relationship, and business of your dreams? I've spent over a decade studying, speaking, and coaching on emotional intelligence. And in this podcast, I share the exact principles and strategies my clients use to earn seven-figure incomes, get engaged after years of failed relationships, and step into their authentic power to become the leaders they came here to be. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited that this is episode 200. Wow. It's been quite a journey. I launched this podcast in October 2019 after sitting on it for a year. I reached out to my friends, John Spender, um, Casey Pluff, some um, Joel Brown, some of the people that were on the first couple episodes in literally 2018. And I sat on those episodes. So here's a teaching moment. I sat on those episodes because I needed to edit them. I was, you know, I was thinking like, how did I want to launch? How many episodes did I want to launch with? Who should go first, etc. And I really just held myself back from doing something that I knew that I wanted to be doing. And my only regret is that I didn't start earlier. I would have had a whole other year of growth and learning and building my skill of speaking had I launched my podcast when I initially wanted to. So now we are in episode 200. Oh my gosh, let's continue this series of my top three lessons of 2023. Today, we are going to be talking about parenting. So I talk a lot about uh, parenting in general. I like to share my journey. I'm not by any means a parenting expert. So, you know, listen to this and see where you can find, you know, something resonates, something lands for you. Um, one disclaimer is number one, I'm not a child psychologist. Number two, all children are different. So just because something works for one child doesn't mean it's going to work for another. Even in the same family, our children come in so divine and so different. Um, So I try to give lessons that I genuinely learned this year as well. So I've been on this parenting journey for eight years. Um, Aaliyah just turned eight years old. And so I have been, you know, fumbling my way through for the last eight years. And I have learned a lot along along the way. And these are three things that I really began to embody and was like, oh, aha, this year. So in 2023, so let's get started. So number one is that there's more to gentle parenting than being gentle. So gentle parenting is a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child to make choices based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures. So that's really about it's a collaborative effort between you and your child and that you're not just going and telling them what to do. And and it's really allowing them to begin to trust their own internal guidance. And I think that that's really great. A criticism of gentle parenting um, is that it's too permissive and allows a child to make most of the decisions. And I think anything kind of taken in extreme um, you know, begins to lose some of its effectiveness. And some of the criticism that I see online about gentle parenting, I feel like comes from parenting that I parents that I probably wouldn't align with. And also with 
not like incomplete information. So they're looking at it like, oh, you mean I'm going to ask my kid their opinion on stuff on on things that a parent should make? No, that's stupid. And so it's kind of like written off without really understanding the foundations of gentle parenting. So, um, and then also, obviously, again, you have to tailor your parenting style and approaches and techniques to your actual child. So researchers have found that gentle parenting techniques are not as effective for more serious and challenging behaviors such as aggression or for children that are more oppositional or harder to manage. I think that's really important too. So I like to start with that gentle parenting approach and really try to bring my child along. But sometimes gentle parenting when your child is going crazy, that might not always be the best approach. Um, So I guess from my perspective, like in our home, we are more of the mind around conscious parenting. And conscious parenting is about being mindful of your behavior and engaging with your child as an individual. So it's... Of course, we want to be gentle because we want to be gentle in nature, but we're more like our viewpoint is more like really looking at how we are showing up as parents rather than always looking at their behavior, but looking at our own behavior. Like what role am I playing in this dynamic? Like is my child acting anxious because I have anxious energy? It often is the parent that's the problem. And I know we don't want to hear that. Um... So I was going to book in a kinesiology kinesiology appointment for my daughter. Um, You know, she had definitely a lot more traumatic childhood than Luca did. Uh, I went through a separation. It was quite messy. I was really figuring it out on my own. I didn't have the support of my mom because she was unwell and it was challenging. You know, I was um, launching a business. I was doing my PhD and it was a challenging time. She was in daycare. As you know, if you've been following me for a while, you know that Aaliyah was in daycare full time at a young age, and it is probably my only regret in my life. I have done a lot of stupid things growing up. I did drugs, I drank too much, I dated bad people for me. I don't regret any of those things. The only thing I regret is. Um, putting my daughter in in full-time daycare because I don't think that that's developmentally great for them. Um, There's a lot of research on that, but also it's it's just, if I could go back, that's the one thing I would change. So I wanted to book her in with this amazing kinesiologist and he's like, let me do you. Why don't we do you? I was like, oh my gosh. He goes, because whatever you're feeling, whatever is happening with you, it gets passed on to your to your daughter. And that's really why I also wanted to work with women because women, we raise the world. The mothers, we create the next generation. So if the mom is not okay, the house is not okay. The dad can be going through some shit, but at the same time, the mom can hold it together But when the mom is going through something, the whole house feels it. So the well-being of the mother is so important. So conscious parenting is like, what's my role? What am I doing? And... you know, I've studied this quite a bit now. I've worked with mentors in this space. And for me, anytime that I am out of control, angry, or triggered by my daughter, it's usually my daughter... 
Uh, I know that that's some trauma of mine. That's not her stuff. That's my stuff. And that to me is what conscious parenting is about. Um, And so I think one of the criticisms of like the gentle parenting is like, there is not enough leadership. So for us, we focus on consequence rather than punishment. I don't like the word punish. I never, I don't like using that word in my house because I don't, I don't like the idea and the, the frequency of the word to punish. I'm not here to punish my kids, but I am here to teach my children that everything they do has a consequence. So it's about the follow through. And, and I think that's the important part is like having that follow through the consistency and predictability because this is all creates a safe space for our children. Children thrive in an environment like that. So we really take on the leadership role at home. Um, and so while our children feel heard and while we want to speak to them gently and kindly and lovingly, like, duh, at the end of the day, we have the final word. I'm just mindful of my language. Like, I don't like to say things if my daughter or my son is arguing back with me. I don't like to be, because I'm the mother. Like, yuck. Yuck. Because it's teaching our children to blindly follow authority. And you know me, I am not someone that follows authority blindly because I'm a critical thinker. I'm a leader. I'm sovereign. I'm embodied. And so as a child, like for children, we need to help them have that moral compass, but also connect to their inner guidance system. Because guess what? You're not always going to be there. So you don't want them to outsource their power and outsource their thinking, okay, boss, okay, government, okay, mom, okay, husband, okay, wife. That's like such, from my opinion again, that's like such a victim um, mentality and I want to prepare my children to be leaders. So yes, they feel heard, um, but at the end of the day, we have to be the leaders, right? And this is this is kind of like a side note again, you know, with all of this stuff where children can choose their gender and all of this. I'm not going to say what is right or wrong for somebody else's family and you know I think we we can try to impose our beliefs on people but I also feel that you know my 3-year-old thinks he's Batman. So if at a young age he is saying something I'm going to it's my job as the leader in the home to guide him and support him and get curious rather than just blindly affirm. And this is where I think we get into like a bit of trickiness with gentle parenting. It's like allowing the child to lead. The child is not a leader yet. The child is bestowed on you so that you can nurture and love and guide and lead the child. Now, of course, this works on the premise that you've actually done some work on yourself and you are actually a highly functioning human being. Where we get in trouble is where we don't have that family dynamic. The 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 parent is just like an adult-sized kid with all the trauma and everything else all completely unprocessed. And guess what? We project that onto the child. So 
while I like the concept of gentle parenting, I think it should be assumed. Why wouldn't you gentle parent? We should all be gentle parenting. Where I think we miss the mark and misunderstand what gentle parenting is, gentle parenting does come with that element of consequence. And I think that's where Dan and I have been able to come together is because I have that gentle part down packed, especially when my children are hurting. I have nothing but open arms for them. And that I feel like that's my role um, as a mother. Um, but it also means that I'm very lenient and that I might not follow through on everything. And so Dan is really good at uh, coming in and being like, no, there was a consequence. We are not punishing them. We are showing them that everything has a cause and effect, which leads me to my lesson number two, which is that the oldest child grows up with the parents while the youngest is raised by the parents. Children truly come in to destroy our egos if we allow them to. They can either amplify our ego, i.e. I'm going to live vicariously through my child or I'm going to project my trauma on my child, or they can come to destroy your ego if you let it, i.e. Wow, I have to look at my shit because what I am not the mother that I want to be and I am... I have growth to do and I have healing to do. And your child in their most beautiful way will poke at where those wounded parts are. So I've learned as well in when I became a mother is that, you know, anyone can be a monk when they can control their environment. When I was on my own living at my mom's and I was going to Bikram yoga and I was meditating and reading for hours a day, like, yeah, I felt like a monk and I felt like nobody could trigger me. I always responded with love and I was in control. And children come in and completely destroy this illusion of control. And that's really what happened with me is like just when I felt like my life was under control, Aaliyah came in as my greatest teacher and healer. She brought up all the old stuff that I thought I had healed or pretended wasn't there. It all came to the surface when this beautiful divine little baby came into my life. And it's because of her that Luca gets to experience a radically different mother. So I'm so grateful to her that I get to grow up with her essentially as a mother. So it's like when a child is born, when a new child is born for the first time, that's also the birth of a mother. So in my mothering journey, when she's a baby, I'm also an infant as a mother. And so I'm finding my feet and I'm making mistakes. And so we get to grow together. And because growth is messy and it's not perfect, um, I've made a lot of mistakes. And because of the mistakes that I made with Aaliyah, i.e. putting her in daycare too early, that was one for me. Um, oh. I don't have to make those mistakes with Luca. So as she grows, I choose to grow as a parent along with her because change is inevitable, but growth is a choice. There's a lot of us raising kids and we're not raising ourselves. We're not growing. We're still the same. We're not willing to let go of our old patterns. We're not willing to look at our stuff. We're not willing to look at how we're projecting on our kids. And that's a choice, staying the same, and not growing is a choice. And also like no matter how prepared you think you are for having a kid, 
nothing prepares you for becoming a parent because your child comes to help you heal your unique trauma. Again, if you let them. So your child comes in with the divine purpose. I'm going to help this person heal their trauma. I'm going to bring it to the surface. And either you can project and you can traumatize them or you get to, you get to heal it. So I always say that I'm almost embarrassed of the parent that I was to Aaliyah compared to Luca. And if you're not embarrassed, I would go as far as saying you are not growing enough. You're just not growing enough because nobody came in with this perfect manual of like, this is what a perfect parent is. There's no such thing. And each child comes in different to help us grow different. And so if I look back at my parenting of Aaliyah and I was like, oh, I just, I'm so great. I did like pat on the back to me. I would, number one, call myself very delusional, narcissistic, and yeah, completely unaware of what my child actually needs. And I know that doesn't sound nice. Like it doesn't sound like you you want me to be embarrassed of the mother that I was. I mean, yes, I do. It's like it's like this. Like if you're not embarrassed almost of the person that you were in high school, you're not growing enough. As an adult, I actually made a decision when I was like in my early 20s, when I saw people that were like so cool in high school and they have done nothing with themselves. And when I say nothing with themselves, I don't mean they have to become millionaires or they have to become CEOs, but I mean, they're in the same neighborhood with the same mentality. They haven't grown their mindset. They haven't, they haven't expanded. They haven't traveled. Like in my head, I was like, bro, you peaked in high school. And high school was tough for me. So I'm really grateful where I am today because I'm like, I have quantum leapt in terms of mindset, in terms of emotional intelligence from who I was in high school. So it's the same thing. Your first child at like one-year-old, two-year-old, if you look back in 10 years and like, I did it so right, I was so good, you did not grow. You did not grow. And honestly, as the body of research grows around parenting and child psychology, um, and you're not aware of newness in 10 years where you can look back and be like, yikes, I shouldn't have done that, then you don't even care about your parenting. So I know that was really forward, but if it's one thing that we do need to take seriously, like it doesn't have to be your career, it doesn't have to be any of those things, but it has to be your um, your parenting. Of all the things that you can take seriously, it has to be your parenting. Like there's just no other, it's just the one thing that you can't be like, oh, it's, it's kind of like a whatever thing. Like if I mess it up, eh, whatever. No, 
So number three is a well-adjusted child needs to be parented by the feminine and the masculine. So on some level, I've known this for a while, but I feel like I understood it on a deeper level and in a different way this year. So every child needs a mother and a father. That might be old-fashioned. That might You might think I'm discriminating. Um... I'm going to say the mother and the father roles because they are the traditional roles, but even more so than an actual mother and an actual father, it's about the roles that these two um, people hold. So for example, traditionally, the mother is the nurturer and the caretaker and the father is the protector, the provider, and the disciplinarian. These two roles with those strengths on either pillars are so important for the well-being of the child. I have witnessed it in myself. I've witnessed it in others where uh, maybe... So if we're going to look at it from a feminine and masculine, right? So the feminine is obviously the mother. The masculine is the father. When there's not enough feminine energy, now... um, the child could have a mother and father and they both be in their masculine or and they're both cold towards that child and that child doesn't feel nurtured, loved and supported and safe. On the other way, in the other way, it's true as well where you can have all the nurturing. It's like purely feminine energy and then there's no structure and discipline. You actually need to have both. If it's your mother and father, great. If it's a grandfather or grandmother, great. If it's an auntie and an uncle, great. It doesn't, the role isn't as, or the title isn't as important as the role. Children need to have both. So when we talk about feminine and masculine energies, I talk about this in business, I talk about this in relationships, but the man or the masculine is the leader and he creates the container and the structure, okay? Let's say he's paying the bills, he's protecting, he's the disciplinary, and you've got this like structure. And then the feminine acts with in that structure. She's just in this container where she nurtures and she cares for and she loves. And she's able to do that. And the reason she's able to open so much in her feminine and to give so much love is because of the structure of the masculine. If the masculine isn't there to provide that container, you know what happens? We get uh, feminine, we get women that put on masculine masks. And we get women that go too much in their masculine, or we get the pure nurturers who just like overindulge their children and, or parentify their children. Like their child becomes everything to them because they don't have that masculine presence in their life. And now they're overly obsessed with their child. My child is number one. And like, it's just... And not to say that your child isn't the most important thing. Everybody has different priorities. But when we become obsessed with our child because we don't have the masculine in our life. And so it's so important to create that container. Now, again, if you're a single mom, it doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, I don't have a husband, therefore my child, no, but can you allow another safe person um, 
oh my gosh, and this needs to be said with so much care because I'm not an advocate of like single mom dating guys introducing the guy to the children because it's a masculine. Absolutely not. That's a good way to put your children in danger. So I'm talking about maybe it's a family member, maybe it's the grandfather, maybe it's the uncle that you know would never... Uh, is not dangerous. Okay. So that's the most important is like keeping our children safe. But number two is providing them with these very important parts of their well being. And so can you open to, can you be receptive to having male energy around and holding that more masculine uh, space? And maybe you don't even have to leave. Maybe it can be like when you're there, but allowing your child to feel the presence of the masculine is so important. Um, for girls and boys, they play a different, you know, different roles, but equally important to both of them. So going back to the gentle parenting thing where I know that for me, the the most important thing I can do for my kids is love them and prepare them for life. So love them and prepare them for life. And the part of preparing them for life is them understanding that life isn't just going to be handed to them and that there's going to be pushback and there's going to be resistance and there's going to be challenging situations and that I need to build up their resilience. And for us to do that, we do need to have some discipline. And one of the things that I realized probably a couple couple years ago was that, and this is for myself, was that discipline is the highest form of self-love. I remember when I posted this on Facebook, it got a lot of pushback. Um, but I truly believe this because doing hard things builds our confidence. We do not build confidence from the status quo. We do not build confidence from just doing what we want to do. That's a really good way to get stuck. And I get it. As mothers, we really struggle to do this because it's not in our nature. I do not enjoy playing that role for my kids, the disciplinary. I don't. And I can be very honest about that. But I will if I have to. But it doesn't feel natural to me and my kids can sense it. And so to be honest, it it's a lot more effective when Dan disciplines the kids. Again, this is with love, within context, within reason, and we're not here punishing our kids. If you punish your kids, that's fine. It's just, for me, I it doesn't feel right to punish my kids. I just, I'm not here to punish my kids. But when Dan is disciplining our kids, he always ties in a lesson and explains things. So like I said before, we're not advocates of like, do as I say, because I'm the parent. And, you know, that's where like, I guess I come in as well when Dan is um, disciplining. I'm like, okay, and can you explain this? And, you know, and that's why like, oh my gosh. That's the importance of having the two parents because I can come in and I can offer you know more guidance to him and help him navigate through that disciplining um, aspect. Whereas he may not add so much context, and I'll be like, "Hey, can you like explain that?" And then he, it'll remind him, like, "Oh yeah, I need to explain why this is and what the consequences are." And he always ties it, you know, Aaliyah, when you're a little bit older, this is going to happen, and when da 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 da, and and um, 
he talks to them about doing hard things, you know, and I think that's really important. And I think that's why we have a lot of weak people and now unfortunately weak leaders because we're faking our strength. Strength comes from embodiment. And so if we aren't truly confident, then we're going to fake it in some way. And then that's when we don't put people first and that's when it becomes very dangerous. And so we want to support our kids to be resilient, to be confident, to understand that their actions have consequences and that if their actions truly have consequences, we need to follow through. Um, And then... You know, I'm really big on resilience, especially emotional resilience, and discipline builds that resilience. Okay. And resilience is probably one of the most, I would say, in the top three, five, depending on what research you look at, most important attributes that you need to have to be a highly functioning, highly contributing, and most importantly, highly fulfilled human being. So life isn't always easy. And Um, By being overprotective, we can really inhibit our child's growth. And it's like the opposite. We, We just think that, you know, if we pour more love into them, that they'll be okay. But that unfortunately is not the case. Your child is going to face adversaries and challenges and hard things, and they're going to know they're going to have to know how to regulate themselves and to face hard things. And how can we expect them to do that as grown-ups if we don't allow them to have consequences and face hard things in the home? Obviously, again, within a container of love. So those are my three parenting lessons. I'm going to go over those again as a quick summary is that there's more to gentle parenting than just being gentle. I really like this approach. However, I think what needs to be um, really highlighted here is the importance of like gentle parenting works when the parent already is a strong leader and has a strong moral compass. Otherwise, gentle parenting can be a child-led mess And you're not doing your child any service by being so kind to them that you don't actually prepare them for this world. Um, That's something I always say. It's like our job is actually not to love our children. Our job, that's a given. Of course, you love your child. Your job is actually to prepare them for life. Number two is that the oldest child grows up with the parents while the youngest child is raised by the parents. And that's just to say that I really learned this year that when Aaliyah was born, I was born as a mother. And to think even for a second that I had it even 50% right the first couple of years is a joke. And I have to be willing to look at where I sucked (laughs) so that I could do it better. And I really was able to look and I looked and I was like, wow, I don't like the way I acted there. I don't like the way I did this. And then I could do it better. And it just makes me so immensely grateful for Aaliyah for 
being on this journey with me. Wow, I get emotional even thinking about it as my firstborn, that we get to grow up together because I am just learning. It's my first time now, now that she's eight, it's my first time ever parenting an eight-year-old. And um, it's really, it's, it's such a beautiful journey, but just recognizing that if you're not embarrassed by how you parented your first child or how you even parented a couple years ago, are you even growing? And number three, it's that a well-adjusted child needs to be parented by the feminine and the masculine, the mother and father, great, but it's not absolutely necessary. It's more of like there's people embodying those two frequencies of the feminine, the nurturer and the masculine, the more disciplinary. And that discipline in that we, you know, with this whole like woke culture, we made masculinity wrong and that like anything strong and not the way a woman would do it is toxic. And that's absolute BS. We need it to let our men be men. We don't need men walking around with like their tail in between their legs, like wounded animals. Like, and this is what we're pushing men to do when we make it wrong to be a man. And as much as Dan and I don't always agree on uh, parenting techniques, I do let him lead. And because we have a good relationship, he does respect what I say. So I have some firm uh, boundaries around physical discipline Physical discipline is not allowed in my house. You're just you're not allowed to to hit the children. Um, that doesn't work for me. I know for some families it does. So no judgment for me. That's a that's a hard no. Um, but at the same time, it also means that when Dan says this is a consequence, you're not getting that, and that's the consequence. That I respect that. Um, and and I let him lead in that regard. And while I feel like I learned so much more about parenting this year, especially making the decision to really be at home with uh, Luca this year before he starts kindergarten next year, um, those were the three lessons that I just really resonated and really felt that I understood on a much deeper level. 